Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving you all a game preview for today's Thunder Clippers matchup, as well as a bit of a hot take as to how I believe we can kind of recuperate after our loss from Friday, how we can bounce back and defeat the Clippers today. So before I go into the preview itself, I want to apologize. I don't know what happened to yesterday's podcast, but it sounded like I was underwater and I was so short on time. I like, I finished it. I put it up. Um, I like edit it all the way through. I like move it on to a different laptop or whatever. You get the point. I didn't realize, but I apparently recorded with like the built-in mic, so it didn't sound that good. Normally, I use like a, a blue snowball or whatever. That's what I'm using right now. But yeah, I, I didn't use the right mic. It sounded really bad. I'm really sorry about that. I got it all figured out now, though. So yeah. Anyways, hopefully that's not an issue moving forward. I'm just going to have to make sure I, uh, I leave it on the correct microphone. But anyways... Uh, going into the actual game itself, we're going to be playing the Clippers at 3 p.m. We always end up getting these like early matchups on the weekends. We are getting no love from any you know major network out here. I don't think we have any uh, nationally televised games, so that's why. We always just get pinned at like the 3 p.m. spot. I feel like we've had a game that's like been at 1 or 2 p.m. already, so it's kind of weird. Anyways, we're playing at 3. If you're on the West Coast, it's got to suck having to watch it at 1 p.m. But, hey, you know, I, I honestly, I could see maybe enjoying, like, having your lunch and then watching your favorite team play. Uh, you know, this is good, probably going to take us, like, 5.30 or whatever. You get some dinner, maybe watch some more NBA. Is what it is. Maybe the time spot's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. But we're playing pretty early relative to when games usually start. And as I mentioned in the the intro really we're gonna be playing them for the second time if you guys have not already you know watched or listened to what happened in our last game we played the clippers on friday lost to them 120 to 106 if you want to hear more about that one i did a post-game podcast on that that was what i had in uh my previous episode but yeah you guys could check that out there and then i also wrote an article on it on that but yeah, we uh, we had a lot of things we need to fix on, and due to this like weird, they got like the baseball style series in the NBA right now, where you play teams like in a two game series. I think if I remember correctly, we have four of these. This is our first one of the season so far, so we're gonna have a lot more to come with this. But yeah, we're we got our set against a really good team, the Clippers, and we need to be able to kind of come back and head off strong getting out of uh, Los Angeles. And for us, this is just a real shot at redemption. We want to be able to get back to the 500 mark if possible. And for Los Angeles, they actually have a lot to lose in this one. Even though it's early on, positioning is always like cool to have. Like You want to be a high seed. They're sitting at three because the Jazz and the Lakers both won their matchups on saturday lakers i think they're 13 and 4 and the jazz have the same record they're 12 and 4 however the jazz beat the clippers so they're two so they have that the tiebreaker there if the clippers are able to win this game they get bumped up 
above the Jazz and I believe the Lakers for the time being. If they lose, though, they're kind of in a costly spot because they're going to fall a game behind the Lakers for the number one seed. And they're going to have to dig back out because, I mean, the Lakers have a game probably tomorrow. Or, yeah, they probably have a game tomorrow. So if they win that, you're in a two-game hole moving on to your next game. You know, you kind of lose your momentum here. So this is a pretty key win for the Clippers to be taking. And they did really solid in, in their last game. I think there are a lot of things that the Thunder need to fix upon for us to win. Clippers, not so much. And I kind of just want to go into those. So for the Thunder, we got a lot to work on defensively. I think it starts with just rebounding the ball. We can't be giving up any give-me's like we did in Friday's game. And the issue was we just weren't boxing out half the time trying to chase after these rebounds. And it just allowed the Clippers to slip in and get some easy buckets, whether it was just putting it right back up or kicking it back off for three. They had either option there every single time and we got out rebounded 55 to 36 due to this we just weren't completely there and the key reason that we got out rebounded this badly was because our bigs just could not get any sort of boards Baisley, Roby, Muscala, and Poku those are your four and fives they had eight rebounds combined in Friday's matchup and Serge Ibaka their starting center had 11 rebounds so one dude out rebounds all of our big guys and the way that game went on Friday it makes sense that all these bigs did not get a ton of rebounds I think our leading rebounder actually was Maladone or SGA or maybe it was George Hill regardless it was like our guards and I think Patrick Beverly had eight or so rebounds for the Clippers a lot of these shots you know were taken and they had all of their bigs just out at the perimeter. So it led to boards being handled by the point guards. And that's for both sides, by the way. We had a lot of pick and pops here and there. That's kind of how you get to that number. But whenever you just break down that Abaka out-rebounds four of our guys, that makes it a clear issue because Abaka was in the exact same boat this whole game, yet he was able to do so, so well in it. So we need to be able to get our bigs in particular to get these boards. Isaiah Roby has been getting like eight rebounds in these games that he's been starting. He has been a machine and he was getting them on offense in in those past games. This one was a bit of a weird one on Friday and he needs to kind of get back in shape because if Abaka is able to just continue where he left off on Friday, it's going to cause a lot of of trouble. Abaka scored like 14. Yeah, he scored 14 of his 17 points right around the basket. And it was just due to him being able to body Roby and then get rebounds and flip it right back up. That's simply all that it was. And I don't expect Serge Abaka to kind of ease off on the gas pedal. We've seen him before. When something's working for Abaka, he keeps you going at it. And that's not going to change. Roby needs to step up. Same with Muscala, Baisley, Poku everyone down the line if we can sure up on rebounding it helps us out a lot in this game and the second thing I think we need to work on we need to be purposeful but not too physical on defense and physical whenever you say someone's a physical defender that's tends to be a good thing but the connotation that it gave me that I'm thinking of it right now is just fouls all over the place because in Friday's matchup 
we were playing physical, but we were getting the foul call every single time. On the 50-50 plays, the refs were just blowing the whistle. I don't know if it was out of instinct or, you know, they wanted the Clippers to win this one. I'm not saying they rigged anything, but come on. They were calling fouls all day long. And I think if you break it down, even if they, like, made the correct call, the outcome didn't change. But I think they called way too many fouls. They ended up getting 25 free throws in that previous one to our 13. And they got in the bonus in the first two minutes of the fourth quarter. Like, how does that happen? Ultimately, we just need to stop the stars. And I think if we are going to be able to limit their opportunities at the free throw line, that's how you do it. You need to shut down their dynamic duo of Kawhi and Paul George because 16 of their 25 free throws in the last game just came off of those two guys. Kawhi shot 10 free throws and he was doing it off of just getting inside as well as the mid-range and just feasting on people. He was doing post-up. He was posting up on guys in the mid-range, giving them a turnaround J. We couldn't stop him. He was posting up players like George Hill and Hamadou Diallo majority of these times. So he's taking on guards who have a serious height disadvantage and just pulling it right in their face. And he even was doing it on door two. And what ended up happening was we were trying to just overcompensate for it. We kind of got our hands stuck up in the in the mess that was Kawhi's jumper. And he ends up getting the line. And then whenever he's driving in, it's also a problem as well. You know, we just need to be able to close out stronger on him. And the deal is this. Kawhi Leonard is such a great player. Um, you know, closing out on him may not even be enough. He was hitting contested Jays all over the place. I just think I'd probably just want Dort on him 24-7. I know that the Clippers were being heavy on trying to switch smaller guys on Leonard, and it worked, but we can't allow that. Dort needs to be going over every single screen possible and try to be on the court as as like long as Kawhi is. Whenever Kawhi is on the court, Dort needs to be on him just 24-7. We need Leonard on lockdown because either he's going to keep shooting the ball from the mid-range, going inside, or getting a ton of foul calls like he did. And the crazy part is Kawhi Leonard went off for 31 points in this game, the last game, but he shot one of seven from three. So he wasn't feeling it from downtown. He made other things work. Imagine him if he gets things going outside. You know, it, there's a lot of ways that Kawhi could take over just the same as he did in that first game. And Dort is is the main stopper. We need him on Kawhi at all times to just limit him. And I don't know how many times he's going to get to the line, but you got to make it less than 10. And then with Paul George, I mean, he had six free throws, and it was kind of a similar deal. Like, he was just abusing smaller players. He was shooting right over the top of people, going, like, around screens to get shots off. He was doing it all. And then he was just able to drive in and was absorbing contact all over the place. We can't be allowing easy shots over people, and you can't just allow drives. You need to be right in front of them. No blow-bys allowed for Paul George. And I'll actually explain my solution on how to stop PG in a little bit and i'm just gonna go into my next point here we gotta limit the three ball and it's really a three-part process that led to the clippers being so so successful on friday they were able to drive in well the penetration was golden 
for them. And what the Thunder did, they just helped too much. Everyone was trying to swarm the paint. And it led to some easy kickouts. They find someone in the corner. Oh, someone's trying to close out in the corner. Okay, let me pass to the wing. Someone's closing out on the wing. Top of the key, no one's guarding him. All right, that's the guy who's going to shoot the ball. And the drive and dish strategy, just making extra passes, it worked to perfection in the first half for the Clippers. And actually, it could have been a lot better. Like, we got it pretty easy. Because some of their best three-point shooters were not even hot in our previous game. Kennard and Lou Williams, they were missing a lot of threes in the last game. In fact, they were probably one of the biggest like dark spots, I'd say. They were the biggest blemishes in Friday's performance. Lou Kennard shot 0 of 5 from downtown. And Lou Will shot 0 of 8. So nothing was hitting for them. Kennard's a 46% three-point shooter for the year, and it was a lot higher before Friday. And Lou Will, he was 36% from three, a lot higher before Friday. They're fully capable of shooting the ball. They are both brought in as like shot creators and sharpshooters specifically. They weren't feeling it, and it didn't matter. Imagine if they were hitting all those shots. This would have been blown out of the gates. But they weren't able to hit, and they were actually shooting pretty open shots. So we got lucky they were not converting. I think uh, the Clippers are going to just employ this strategy once again because I'd have to believe they'd trust in Kennard and Lou Williams. They had guys like Nick Batum who were killing it, who shot 4-4 from downtown in the previous ones. And they really didn't even need to tap into their stars for the threes. I mean, Paul George made three, but he shot it seven times. The efficiency was coming off of some of these role players for them. And their role players are very, very good. So they're going to just keep attacking that, trying to drive in, penetrate. And there's a couple different options OKC can try to use to stop this. We can just let them drive inside, or we can continue to risk open threes early and just see how the game progresses. Option A gives the Clippers a lot more stability. We've seen... The problems we have had clogging up the paint. You know, we're giving up 60-point outings in the paint to teams a good bit. And we had that time where I believe Orlando cracked like the 72-point mark inside there. So points in the paint have been a major issue. And with Ibaka killing it on Friday, you'd imagine if we were just letting the drives happen one-on-one, they'd be dropping a lot of points at a very high field goal percentage. But it's two points and not three, and we can we can trade twos and twos. What we can't really trade back at the moment is threes. And option B, which is uh, just continuing to leave the Clippers open early, poses a really big risk because we actually went with that option on Friday, and it led to us being down 23 to 8, five minutes in the last game. And my proposal actually is just... A different thing. Uh, I think that we just need to put Kenrich Williams in as a starting shooting guard and see how things work because maybe the drives just straight up are cut off the table with Kenrich Williams starting, as crazy as that sounds. Hear me out here though. Paul George, he erupted in the first half of Friday's game. He had 16 points and it was a lot of just tiny guys trying to guard 
Paul George. There's a lot of George Hill who, you know, was matched up on him in the starting lineup. And players like Diallo. We don't want to do that. I think Williams may have had a tiny patch with George, but it wasn't enough to kind of just evaluate how that matchup one-on-one would work. When we're just comparing what George Hill and what Williams bring to the table, George Hill, he's that offensive guy. I think it's pretty obvious George Hill can shoot it. Uh, He was killing it with floaters in our previous game. But Kenrich Williams is a defensive specialist who, I mean, I wouldn't say he's a surefire thing every game, but he's shown the potential and we need to be taking risks in order to beat one of the best teams in the NBA. So you throw him in the gauntlet, see what he does. He was a key reason we actually beat the Chicago Bulls last week. And we came back from 22 points down. That was all due to the defense. He likes getting in the action of every single defensive play. You would see him just coming out of nowhere when he thinks someone's about to shoot. He just anticipates it and gets in the way of things. He'll he'll disrupt the offense for just a split second. But that's all you need for further adjustments to happen. If someone else can rotate on a Williams man. He can get back on the other. Everything kind of just figures itself out, right? He gives us stuff that George Hill simply does not on the defensive end. And one of it is just the, phys- the physical attributes. Kenrich Williams is 6'6". Six six. I believe George Hill is only 6'3". And whenever we're talking about why Paul George was able to just hit shot after shot, it's because he was just going right at George Hill. I mean, he's shooting it right above the guy. He has the length to get it off without much of a contest. You leave a tiny opening to him, and he'll drill it. He was not really having any sort of issues here. He was so composed in that first half. We need somebody who's able to be in his face and at least make him think a bit while he's going up for his shots. And hell, you know, you'd love to throw Dort out there, but Dort has to guard Kawhi Leonard. So that's why Williams is your guy right here. Paul George was going around screens and pulling it. I don't really know if Williams is that great of a pick and roll defender, but it's better than, you know, what we're running with. I think we do need to just give him a shot with things. If he can go over under the screens, I don't care. Just get the contest off. It is a major win. And just on top of things that I've, I've seen, you know, he's a great defender in the passing lane. And the way that they have been playing about extra kickout after extra kickout, I mean, he's looking to get involved in defensive plays all the time. As I said, he could just be locked on to one particular player on some sort of kickout pass and get some sort of action on the ball, whether it's deflecting it, intercepting it, Whatever. He wants to get in there in the mix of things. We we were not able to get on players. There's just extra pass after extra pass. Throw Williams into there and maybe some of those issues could kind of fix itself. And also just another thing. I mean, Paul George is not going to get any blow buys and he's a physical defender. And I mentioned physical as like having a bad connotation a bit earlier. And it kind of has a a two-sided thing right here. One thing, I mean, we know Kenrich Williams is is ready to get nitty and gritty with whoever gets faced in front of him. He will make it hard for George to just blow right by him. It's simply not going to happen. And George, I mean, he's going to to get banged up trying to go in on Williams every time. So he's going to have to pull it. Or if he wants to drive in, 
he, he will have to work for it more than George Hill because George Hill is a great defender, but whenever he's given up such a big height advantage and such, you kind of are susceptible to people blowing by. Throw Williams in there, bit of a bigger body, makes it a bit more of a roadblock for a player like George. And sometimes Williams will literally act like a roadblock, whether it's him taking a charge or him just like smacking the crap out of a player. And he's gotten in foul trouble before in the year. Like he's playing nine minutes in a game and he'll get you two or three fouls already. Just throw him in early. Um, I think in the Bulls game, he only had one foul and he was playing 20 plus. So you throw him in, see how he's doing. If he gets two quick ones, you pull him out, say, George Hill, you can get back in the game. But I just want to see the one-on-one matchup between PG and Williams. Will it end up happening? I don't know. But I think this is the perfect game for Mark Dagnall to just try to test things out again. Throw throw Williams in there. Let's see how he works. And then just looking at the offensive side of things. I think we need some big games from Isaiah Roby and Mike Muscala. And I mentioned, you know, how they need to be rebounding and such, but... They need to be scoring it from downtown. The Clippers only have one real adjustment, and that's stopping SGA. SGA went off for 30 points in the last game. And, you know, early on, he SGA probably should have more points if he just stuck to trying to score. Early on, he was trying to pass every single time he could, though. And that's because the Clippers were just doubling SGA off of high ball screens. They were daring the Thunder to try to go to Mike Muscala and Roby off pick and pops for buckets. And they just could not provide them. Roby was 0 of 2 in last game from deep. Muscala was 3 of 9. So the percentages were not too hot there. We're going to have to rely on the pick and pop a lot. If if they just want to test us, I think you need to give them a shot. You know, it's, it's a free opportunity of points. Give them the shoot-around shot. If it doesn't fall, it doesn't fall. And we'll go back to SGA trying to drive in. Um, because let's be real, SGA driving in on two guys is not as bad as it sounds with me talking in it. I mean, he's hitting damn near every time he penetrates. So let him go in on two guys. That's cool. But you want to be able to see just if the pig and pop is working out early. Because if it does... Hell, maybe they'll try to step up a bit and SGA will get the one-on-ones down low. And that's exactly what we want to be hunting for in this game. I think second thing, you got to be looking at Darius Baisley. You want bounce back Baisley in tonight's game or really today's game, I guess. It's just a process here with players getting hot and cold. They're just kind of struggling to get back to where they were maybe a couple weeks ago. And Baisley has kind of been like that. He was really passive on Friday. He actually did a really solid job like getting around Batum. But he just was not taking the shots. Whether it was him driving in or him getting a wide open three ball. He was just kind of second guessing himself. And the hesitation really just gets you out of your zone. And that's how you go 2 of 6 from downtown. That's exactly what he did. He probably had more than 6 wide open threes. In the last one, but he didn't decide to shoot them um, every single time. You you don't want to be seeing him be passive. You want him to just be going right at it. Because if he does, hell, we could win the game. He's kind of this hidden X factor. We've we've had these like 
stories where we're talking about Roby one week and then we're talking about Diallo, Baisley, whatever it is. There's always this one player who's kind of just breaking out. Baisley's cooled off. We want him to kind of burst out of the seams once again. If he can do that, we should have a tighter competition. We only lost by 14 in the last game and Baisley played pretty bad um, when it came to shooting the ball. If he gets his stuff together, we're good. I'm picking Baisley over Batum every time in terms of talent. Baisley's just shown too much promise from everywhere. Batum, he's 34. He's not catching up on Baisley. It just comes down to if Baisley is trying to look for shots in the game. We've seen him just kind of pinned down in the corner the entire game. If Dagnall kind of just opens things up to him, maybe we could see a bigger performance from him, and he could be one of the key players in the game. And then lastly, I think you just got to mention SGA and Dort. They just got to do their thing, man. SGA was hitting every single kind of shot you could draw up on Friday. Obviously, as I said, he's the center of the Clippers' defensive game plan. You know, you got uh, Tyron Lue circling SGA's name over and over again, probably just looking over the tape. Every single person on the Clippers knows the game plan. It's stop SGA. If everyone else starts going off, so be it. They just don't want the ex-Clipper to make this Paul, Dre- Paul George trade look any worse for them, I suppose. But yeah, they, they just want to stop SGA. And he needs to be looking to find open guys. The pick and pop will be critical. And it's something. You just got to trust them. If it's not falling, you go back to you know what you're doing with those 30 points earlier. And if they're kind of just playing you like... Daring you to shoot the three ball, you want to shoot the three. SGA was as cool as could be from deep in our previous game. He shot two of five, but those two threes were coming off step backs where he was being left pretty much wide open. I trust him in the step back. If if he's put on a big guy or someone's sagging off, hit him with a step back, pop it. He gets enough space off to make it a good look. Shoot it, shoot it as many times as you want from downtown. It doesn't matter how many times it goes in. I just want to see him taking good shot selection. And a three-pointer with no one near him, that's great shot selection from SGA. Let's be real there. And with Dort, I mean, he's just been money from downtown. He's been our leader in threes uh, for the year. And then every single game, you know, one of the things that I always mention is, oh, Dort either tied or he led the team in three-pointers made. It was the same thing. In Friday's matchup with his three uh, three balls, only Mike Muscala hit three, but it was on worse efficiency. He's just going to keep going at it, man. I think if uh, if they're trying to just sag off on people and put a ton of pressure on SGA, Dort will get a lot more looks, and he should be in, on track to continue a streak of just hitting threes all over the place. And You know, just going to defense again, I mean, it's not just the offense he has to worry about. He has the threes, and he's able to penetrate pretty well. But he has that task of Leonard, and he really needs to get the job done if we are going to win the game. It starts with the the Lakers or the Clippers. Why the hell would I say Lakers, man? I'm getting a lot of Angeles teams confused. Clippers. Need to stop that Clippers duo right there. Kawhi and Paul George. Kind of trickle down effects here. Everyone else does. For us, we got to be working on our shooting from the bigs. SGA Dort got to be on there, on their stuff, as well as uh, 
some of our other pieces here, such as uh, Kenrich Williams if he gets the minutes. But yeah, that's what you guys need to be looking forward to in this one. We're still left without Horford and Hall, so they will not be playing, sadly. Still got a lot of people that we are going to be seeing in this game, though. So make sure to stay tuned for 3 p.m. Should be a good one. If you guys cannot catch it, I'll be doing a post-game podcast as always on that. But yeah, that's that's what I have to say about this one. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.